0: Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood, and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. This morning I'm going to be speaking to you from the Gospel of Luke, Chapter 15, and this will be a a two-part series. Part one will be today, and God willing, part two will be next week. Today we're going to be in Luke, Chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. And then, God willing, next week we'll cover Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10, and verses 25 through 32. So, doing things a little different. But let's, let's go and jump into this, Luke chapter 15. For context, real quick, in Luke, in Luke 15 we have um, tax collectors and we have sinners. So, the, the tax collectors are here, the, the sinners are here uh, in the room and they come to hear what Jesus has to say to them. So the tax collectors, the Bible says in verse 1, and the sinners, they, they, they draw near to Jesus to hear what he has to say to them. But then Jesus is actually addressing the Pharisees and the scribes. Because the Pharisees and the scribes are complaining that Jesus receives sinners and eats with them. So this this whole uh, story or parable is Jesus addressing uh, the scribes and the Pharisees. So Jesus tells um, three parables to the Pharisees and the scribes, or we can call it one parable that, that has three parts to it. Right. So in the first part of the parable, Jesus is speaking about the lost sheep. And he's speaking about the lost sheep to make a point. In the second part of the parable, he's speaking about the lost coin. He speaks about the lost coin to make a point. And then the third part of the parable is where we will be today, where Jesus speaks about the lost son. And today we're going to cover that third part, and we're going to go through verse by verse, Luke 15, verse 11 through 24. But before that, I'm going to read the whole thing together. Luke 15, 11 through 24. Jesus is speaking. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, There arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in wants. Verse 15. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is alive, that your word is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, separating even to the division of soul and of sparrow and of marrow, and that your word is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our very heart, that your word discerns what we are to think, how we are to believe that your word determines that for us. So right now, Lord, we just embrace your living word, and we thank you that your word works. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there without accomplishing that which you desire, Lord God Almighty. We thank you, Lord, that as your word goes forth, as you send it forth, it will accomplish everything that you desire for it to accomplish. And I pray that it does just that this morning. Again, give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us. In Jesus' name. Amen? Today I want you to see two simple points from the text. Two simple, very simple points from the text. The sin of the Son and the love of the Father. And I want you to compare the two. The the sin of the Son and the love of the Father. And compare the two side by side. Father is mentioned nine times here in this text. The Father is mentioned nine times. Two times before the Son left, seven times when He returned. And then we have the word son that's mentioned here six times in the text. So ultimately, the story that Jesus is trying to convey to his hearers is a story about a father and his son. It's a story about a father and his son. Luke chapter 15 and verse 11. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. A certain man had two sons. So we'll find out later in the story that this d.O. is important because his sons by by appearance seem to be polar opposites. We're going to get to the second son next week. But his sons by appearance seem to be total opposites. Yet at the end of the story, we will see their similarities. So this man had two sons, and again, that's Important for us to know. Verse 12, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. It's also important that you understand that this is the most disrespectful thing. The most disrespectful thing that a son could say to his father. During that culture the son could have said nothing more disrespectful to his father than that. A father would usually leave his inheritance, obviously, to his children, and the the firstborn of the culture would usually get a double portion of the other children. So in this case, the the firstborn would have been given two-thirds, and the the younger son would have been given one-third of the father's inheritance, but only at death but only at death. So, for this son to ask his father for his inheritance while his father is still alive, in other words, it's like this son saying to his father, I wish you were dead. I want you to understand that. It's like this son is saying to his father, I wish you were dead. The son was saying to his father, I'm more concerned about what is in your hand, what you can extend to me, than I am about your life itself. I'm more concerned about what you have to give to me, what you have to offer me, than I am your entire life. from the culture, a, a Middle Eastern father. The, the heroes of this story would have, been, would have been shocked by the son making this request, but just their shocking or even more shocking would have been the response of the father. A Middle Eastern father back then would have most certainly have cursed his son. And then those curses would have been followed by a, a strike or two. And then the the strike or two would have been followed by exile from the home. That son would have been driven out of the home with, with curses and with blows. That's how a Middle Eastern father would have responded to his son's request. But this father does not respond the way that every other Middle Eastern father would have responded. And he gives his son his desire. The end of verse 12, so he divided to them his livelihood. So he did it. He divided to them his livelihood and, and, and a fa- I mean, this is the father's life. This is his, his wealth. This is his life. His, his, his life depends on this his standing in the in the community depends on this his reputation everything and this father he he does it he takes a loss for his son now this father knows this son just like the heavenly father knows all of us right so he so he knows his son and he knows his son well again just like god our Heavenly Father knows us and knows us well. And I'm reminded here of Romans chapter 1 and verse 28. In reference to a corrupt man that has rejected and dishonored God. And it says in Romans 1, 28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do things, to do those things which are not fitting. So so the father knew his son and what the result would be. But just like Romans 1, those who who reject God, God gives them over to a debased mind to do the things that they desire to do. In verse 13, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together he must be, be very excited here. He's a, he's a wealthy man. He's going to travel the world, chase his dreams. He's a rich man. He must be very excited. So he, he gathers all his stuff together. Yes. And he journeyed to a far country, far, far away from his father. And there, wasted his Possessions with prodigal living. Prodigal living. Prodigal means wasteful living. Reckless living. I love how the son, he, he gathers all of his possessions, right? And, and, and is full. He gathers everything that he has and he's, and he's full. And then in the same verse, he wastes it all. I love how Jesus just told this story and he put it side by side. The son gathers all of his possessions, right, and he's he's full. And in the very same verse, he wastes it all. He has everything and his hands are full. And then in the same verse, he has absolutely nothing and his hands are empty. That, my friends, is the deception of sin. Deception of sin. Sin will will steal from you the little that you had. It will it will take it from you. Now this is. This son is 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 worse off than he was, before this son received his inheritance. Right? So now, now he's worse off than he was before. He's, he's lost everything, and it was that quick. It was quick. And, and Jesus doesn't waste any time in this story about speaking about the, the son's decline. He wastes no time whatsoever. The, the deception of lust and, and, and wealth and money, it's deceiving. It's amazing how what you think you need when you find, you realize, doesn't actually satisfy. What you think you you need when you find, you discover that it doesn't actually satisfy. doesn't actually do for you what you thought and believed and just knew that it would do for you. The son was sure, he was 100% sure, he was, he was positive that his life would be better if he could just get more money. If he could just get his father's wealth, he was positive, he was 100% sure that his life would be better. He'll travel the world and do the things that he desires to do. If I could just fulfill my desires, I'll be happy. Some of you also believe the same thing. Some of you believe that, that winning the lottery is the solution to your problem. Right? If I just could get a large enough, a large amount of money, it will be good. My, my, my problems will be solved. And you believe it. You believe that? That's, that's, that's all I need. And most of my issues will be solved. Many people believe that. Even if they don't say that they do, by their actions, they do. But many people believe that. Have you guys ever heard of the, the curse of the lottery? According to the New York Daily News, 70% of lottery winners end up broke within seven years. 70% end up broke within seven years. But I know that you're, you're so much smarter than the 70%. And it wouldn't happen to you. Because you got a plan and, 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 and it would never happen to you. But here is the truth. That 100% of the 70% believed that their life would be better and, and did not believe that they would ever be broke again. But it was a lie. One of the most powerful verses in the Old Testament for me and the one that I often go back to over and over again to keep my desires in check is one that comes from the, the wisest king of all time during his day and in comparison to every single king that came after him apart from Jesus Christ himself. And his name was King Solomon. King Solomon was his name. And King Solomon said these words in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 9 and verse 10. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn over there. Because I, I do want you to see it. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 9 and verse 10. King Solomon. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. Check verse 10 out. Whatever my eyes desired, Every time I read this. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward from all my labor. King Solomon said, I withheld no desire from myself. Because I worked for it and I earned it I earned it, I earned the right And this man said, I withheld no desire from myself And he's saying here that he, he deserves to, to fulfill all of his passions Because he worked for it And I want you to understand that this man did just that he fulfilled all of his passions and his desires in every single way that you can think of. He's not joking here. When he says this, he's not joking. First Kings 11 and verse 3 tells us that King Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. The guy had 1,000 women. 700 wives, 300 concubines. And if you read Ecclesiastes 1 and 2, you'll see everything else that he had. So he's not joking here. And then later in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the great king, says these words. And you won't, you won't believe it if I tell you. So let's, uh, let's find it in our, in our Bibles. Ecclesiastes 2 and verse 17, because I want you to see it. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 17, I, I want you to see this one. Because if I say it, you won't believe it. We've got on the screen there. Therefore, what in the world? Therefore, I hated life. Because the work that was done under the sun was distressing to me, for all is vanity and grasping for the wind. I hated life. what in the world? Are you guys following with me? How? But Solomon, you had everything that you wanted, everything that you ever desired, you had it, everything. There is no pleasure or desire that King Solomon had that he kept from himself, Nothing. If he wanted it, he had it. Listen to me. Now listen to me very carefully. If Solomon could think of it, if he could think of it, that's crazy. If Solomon could think of it, he could have it. And not many men in history, or people in history, could say that. Not many people could say that That everything they desired, they had. And fulfilled. He fulfilled every desire that he had. And he was not just unhappy at the end. But the Bible says that he hated life. I pray that you hear me this morning. But the Bible says that he hated life. This is almost the equivalent of being suicidal. The man that had it all said, he hated life because he discovered that what he thought he wanted or what he thought he could find within those things, when he found them, it was missing. Those things were empty and they had no substance. Proverbs 14.12 Scripture that I use often. There is a way that seems right to a man but its end leads to death or destruction. There is a way that seems right. It just seems. It just seems. It just seems. It just feels. It just feels right. It seems so right. It just seems right. It just feels right. There is a way that seems right to a man but its end leads to Ultimate destruction. And boy, did Solomon fall, and his heart turned from the God that he once loved. Verse 14. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. We just finished a a, um, study of the book of Jonah. But just like Jonah, we learned that sin will always precede a storm. And right here we see that sin will also always precede a famine in your land, too. First comes sin, then comes the storm. First comes sin, now comes a, a famine in the land. And here sin is about lavishness and lust and fulfilled desire at any cost. It's about greed and consuming all that you desire as fast as you can. It's about satisfying your every craving. And then when you're done, you're left empty. Still hungry, still thirsty, still wanting more and not having enough. Now it's famine time You've indulged Now it's famine time Not only did he spend all that he had But but the place where he was was incapable Of allowing him to gain back what he had lost Because he was in a, a dead place He was in a land of famine The worst thing was not only that he lost what he had but also that it was impossible for him to regain in that land the things that he had lost. It was impossible in the land where he was residing. You can lose stuff, right? But if you're in a, in a fruitful place, then you have many resources and many opportunities to regain even what you've lost. But this son was positioned in the wrong place. He was positioned in a place where he was not supposed to be. And he was positioned in a place where death would come quickly. Verse 15, Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. Then he went, let me slow down, then he went and, and, and joined himself. Then he went and, and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he went and he sent him into his builds to feed swine. So he separated himself from his father, right? He, he intentionally disconnected himself from his father, and then he, he joins himself to a foreign man, whom he did not know. Makes no sense. So now he's gone from, from the father's house into the foreigner's field. That's what he's, he's done. And, and you will be joined. You will be joined to something or, or someone. In fact, you are currently joined to something or someone. You are currently living and, and walking in the light, or you are currently living and walking in darkness. You are attached to the light currently, right now, or you are attached to the darkness currently, right now. And if you're not joined to the Father, then you will be joined to the foreigner. If you're not walking in the light, then the only other thing that you're walking in is darkness. There's no in-between. So the Father, however, he he loves and And cares for you. And for this son that we will see later. But he loves and he cares for you. And he wants to bring you inside the house. To you this morning. The father wants to bring you inside the from the field to the house. From the the outside, he wants to bring you inside this morning. That's what the father wants to do for you. He wants to bring you in. In the house, in the family the foreigner he doesn't care for you and he'll keep you outside in the field but the father wants to bring you inside of the house verse 16 and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything we're just seeing the 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 decline of this of this son and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything he lost his his finances, and when he lost his finances, he realized that his friends were connected to his finances, so he lost his finances and his friends, and now he's lost his dignity. He's lost his finances, his friends, and his dignity. So now he's at rock bottom. He's at rock bottom, and the crowd, they, they gasp when they hear this. For, for a Jewish audience, this is, this is the lowest of the low. This man is, is hanging out around pigs. And he's not just desiring to eat unclean, non-kosher meat. But he's desiring to eat the same things that the, that the pigs are eating. That's, that's how low this has come. So the audience would have gasped when they heard that. He's in the pig's pen? The lowest of the low, this is his rock bottom. Lowest of the low. And I guarantee you that this Jewish son never thought that he would be in such a place. I guarantee you that. When he decided to leave his father's house, he never thought, he never dreamed, he never imagined that he would ever find himself in a pigsty desiring to eat what pigs were eating. For sin, Will take you farther than you ever wanted to go. Sin will cost you more than you ever wanted to pay, and sin will hold you longer than you ever wanted or desired to stay. The deception of sin. He finds himself in a place desiring things that he never thought he would ever desire. Verse 17, but when, praise God, but when he came to himself, he said, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger? He came to his senses, praise God. And without coming to your senses by the help of the Holy Spirit, there is no hope for you there is no hope for you. And there are some of you in this room this morning that have yet to come to your senses. But when he came to himself or or came to his senses, you know what what he never worried about in his father's house? He could not stop worrying about when he was outside of his father's house. never worried about food. What he never worried about in his father's house, he could not stop worrying about when he was outside of his father's house. What was never a need in his father's house became his greatest need outside of the father's house. What was unconsciously sustaining him within his father's house was killing him for lack of it outside of his father's house. This son had to get to rock bottom before he came to himself, just like Jonah, again. And it's at the bottom when you have nothing. It's at the very bottom when you have absolutely nothing. And when no one is around you, that you can clearly begin to see yourself and what you've become. And it's at that place when you can clearly begin to see who the Father is. It's at rock bottom. There's no one here, there's no one around him. And this son sees what he has become. And he also begins to see his Father, clearly. The things that he took for granted in his Father before. With the things that, that drew him to his father now. Verse 18, he says, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. This was his plan, right? This is the son's plan now. He has his, his, uh, his speech prepared. It's rehearsed and it's ready to go. Right, this is his plan. All right, I'm going to rise. I'm going to go back home to my father. I'm going to tell him that I've I've sinned against heaven and and before him. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And I'm going to ask him for a job. This is this is his plan, right? This is the plan of the son. And we also, you know, we see the acknowledgement and confession of his sins here too, um, and those are genuine. And he says, "Make me like one of your hired servants," he says. So what he wants to tell his father, he's saying, Father, um, I've sinned against you, right? There's, 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 there's um, confession here of sin. But he says, let me, let me work for you. Let me pay you back. Right? Again, this is his plan, though. This is the son's plan, right? So his plan is, Father, I'm going to pay you back. I'm going to pay you back. Hire me. I'll work for you, Father. I'll work hard and I'll pay you back. Son's plan, verse twenty. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. He sees you. He listening he sees you he sees you God sees you I don't care how far away you are but he sees you but when he was still a great way off his father saw him he didn't only see him he had compassion he didn't only have compassion he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, that, that speech that he had prepared and, and his confession to his father as well. Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just, just a note here, there's, there's no way that this son um, looked good or smelled good. Right? right? Like From between the, the pigsty and that long journey home, Right there's, there's no way that he looked good or, or smelled good But this father Smothered his grown son with kisses The people that heard this story When Jesus told it They would have gasped again Because this is not how A Middle Eastern father acts He doesn't run He never runs He doesn't run He doesn't lift up his, his robe and show his legs. and He would never do that. They don't run. But this father, he does. So it's almost like Jesus is, is, is redefining how the Pharisees and the scribes view the father. He's redefining it for them with this story. so the hearers would have been astounded when they heard this 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 father he's not from this world right jesus is, is speaking about his own father he's speaking about his father and he's and he's explaining to them and he wants them to understand how his father is with them so this father does not exist in this world to these Middle Eastern people. They would, they would have never seen a father like this, ever. Everything Jesus is telling them about this father is, is, is contrary to what they know about their fathers. So he's, he's redefining what a father is. And for so many of you in this room today, you need to redefine what a father is. Because some of you here had absent fathers. Fathers that were not present. Fathers that maybe hurt you in some way. And what God wants to do is he wants to redefine for you what a father is, and he's redefining to the sinners, the tax collectors, the Pharisees, the scribes, he's, he's redefining what a father is, so I'm sorry for your pain, and I'm sorry for your hurt, but your earthly father could never match up to the heavenly father. But also, give them some grace as well. Understanding that they are human. That they are men. And that they are not God. Amen? Amen. Amen. So the son here, he's in the presence of a loving father. And his plan, that plan that he had, became ineffective. And the father's plan prevailed. Right? The son's plan became ineffective and the father's plan prevailed. So in verse 21, right, the son starts to recite his prepared speech from verse 18 and 19 that we saw. But the father does not let him finish. He interrupts him. right. And then verse 22, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. And the father, he's, he's smiling and he's happy. And he's rejoicing because, because his son is home. Verse 22 and 23 is the father's response to the son's statement and his request. He didn't answer his son with words. He did so with actions. He clothed him not only with love, but with righteousness. He placed a robe on him. Bring the best robe. The best robe would have been the father's robe. That's the best robe in the house. The father's robe. So he... He brings and he places a robe upon him. Best robe in the house. Symbolic of righteousness. The robe of righteousness. I declare you righteous, son. That's the father saying, you're forgiven. I've heard you. I've I've heard your confession. You're forgiven. Now, put the robe on. Take upon you my righteousness. Righteousness. He put a ring on his finger, authority, put new shoes on his feet, honor, and he killed the fat calf. Sacrifice and forgiveness. The calf died that day. And whenever sin is committed, the only payment for sin it's death. The wages of sin is death. It's always death. It's always. There is no remission of sins without bloodshed. And the fatted calf, the sacrifice is made on behalf of the son that day. In verse 24, alive again. He was once alive before and now he's alive again. Praise praise God for the Father. Amen. Praise God for the Father. In conclusion, as we conclude here today, the decline of the Son began with a distorted focus. He he stopped seeing the value of his father and started seeing the value of his possessions. He then asked the father the wrong thing, and and the father gave it to him. He had had wrong desires. He asked the father for the wrong thing, and the father gave it to him. (laughs) Back to the lottery. Some of you guys have been praying to win the lottery for years. But it's only by God's grace and his mercy that he's kept you from winning. His grace and His mercy for you. This this son asked the father for the wrong thing, and he let him have it. He said, sure. You want all this money, well, here it is. It's God's grace, sometimes, that He doesn't give us the things that we're praying for. Amen. Amen. So the son, he has this distorted focus, wrong desires, and then he creates intentional distance. The son intentionally created distance between himself and the father, and he journeyed to a far, far country. So this is the decline of the son, and that's how that happened. But we praise God for the father. Amen. Let's stand up, please. The sins of the Son versus the love of the Father, there's no comparison. The sins of the Son versus the love of the Father, there is no comparison. Where sin abounded, grace abounded so much more. Bow your heads, please. Take a moment and begin to think and meditate upon the word that you heard today. For the word that you heard today was not for your husband or for your wife or for your brother or for your sister or for your uncle or aunt or cousin or nephew or niece or for your father or son or daughter or mother. The word that you heard today was for you. Hallelujah father we we acknowledge you today we thank you that we can call you father we thank you that you are a perfect father and we thank you that you sent your son Jesus Christ the perfect lamb of god that came to die for the sins of the world lord god almighty oh i know and i believe that you are calling people to come back home today that there are people that have strayed in the, in the year and a half of this pandemic there are people that have, have strayed from you that have turned from you that are no longer interested as they were before in the things of God the things of the Father but Father I pray today that they would come to their senses that they would see your face today And Father, I pray that you would compel them. And that they would have no rest or comfort until they surrender all to you. Lord God Almighty, you are calling sons and daughters to return home today in this place. You're calling sons and daughters to come home, to return home in this place. And just like the son had humility to say that he had sinned and that he would return home to his father, I pray that we would be humble before an eternal God this morning. And if you're in this room today with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're in this room and you say, I need to Return to the Father. And just right where you are, just lift up your head. Right where you are. Amen. Amen. I see your head. Just lift it up. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And you can put it down. He sees you. He sees you. He sees you. He sees you. The Father sees you. And He's running after you. He's been running after you. Thank you for responding to him this morning. He welcomes you home. He welcomes you home. In this story, I didn't mention repentance at the confession, because when he confessed, that really was not repentance, but repentance, took place when the son decided to go home. He left the father's house and repentance took place when the son turned around and said, I'm going back home. That's repentance. So, I'll give you the opportunity this morning to confess your sins, yes, before him. As the Bible tells us in Romans 10, 9 and 10. but only do that if you're doing that from a repentant heart a heart that says I want I want the Father and I'm making a conscious decision today to run after the Father and I will continue to pursue Him as He pursues me so in just a moment we're going to pray together in the church you can pray with me as well but I invite you to to pray with me in faith and and from your heart. And say, Lord Jesus, let's say it in faith, friends, and let's say it loud. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner and that my sins separate me from you. But Lord Jesus, I also recognize that you died upon the cross personally for me wash me clean forgive me from all of my sins i no longer want to be lord of my own life i no longer want to be lord of my own life but i want you to be lord of my life today i'm coming home returning to the father thank you for your love and your compassion and your grace father we thank you Lord for your word that came forth and father I thank you for those Lord God Almighty that raised their hands and made confession to you father as Romans ten, nine and 10 tells us that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead that we shall be saved so, Father, we thank you for Romans 10, 9, and 10. And, Father, we thank you for the response of your people. And, Father, I pray for the journey that we are all on together. And I pray, Lord God Almighty, that you would continue to, to strengthen that which you have started before today. In Jesus' name, we pray. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.